and welcome to Genius Law Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeline Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages six, four, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important. So on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home, and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant attachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression, intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast is that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. Today, we're kicking off a series of episodes dedicated to infant mental health. Each episode will cover a different topic pertaining to infants and their well-being. We'll cover feeding, sleeping patterns, brain development, and more so you know what to expect if you're a first-time parent or need a refresher if it's been a while since you've cared for a little one. Infant mental health may be an entirely new concept to you. Typically, we hear mental health being discussed in the context of adults or older children. But even babies have mental health needs, and they need to be addressed. Even though your infant can't understand what you're saying and can't talk back to you just yet, they can still sense and respond to your emotions or moods. And in their first five years of life, children develop a lot of important skills, like the ability to form close, safe relationships with adults and peers, the ability to feel, express and manage a wide range of emotions, and the ability to safely explore the world around them. Family, culture, and community all play an important role in the development of these skills. And the relationship infants have with a caregiver is the foundation of their mental health, emotional and social growth, and brain development. It's impossible to talk about infant mental health without discussing attachment theory. So that's what we're going to get into today. Infants need trustworthy adults to feel a sense of well-being and safety. Think of a time in your own life when you were particularly distressed and you reached out to someone for comfort. Knowing someone was there for you was soothing, right? It's the same thing for babies. It's soothing to be seen. We aren't born with the ability to self-regulate. This is a behavior learned from caregivers. 
When your baby cries, for example, eventually through some trial and error, you're able to discern the I'm hungry cry from the I'm tired cry or the I need a diaper change cry. Maybe you learn that a scrunch of the nose means they've pooped or a long high-pitched wail means they're hungry. Once you learn their cues, and some of them are more adorable than others, you can provide your baby with whatever it is they're asking for. And that's all part of attunement. Attunement is really the ability to be present with your infant's needs and soothe them emotionally. And consistent, appropriate attunement is what makes secure attachment possible. You don't have to get it right every time. That's impossible. I'm truly not advocating for perfect parenting. That just doesn't exist. But getting it right a lot of the time and engaging in repair behaviors when you don't is crucial. It teaches your baby the world is safe and their needs will be met. Then over time, as they grow, they learn how to self-regulate and self-soothe. An infant is more likely to securely attach to someone who responds to their needs sensitively, calmly, and consistently. You can follow every trick in the book, breastfeeding, skin-to-skin contact, co-sleeping situations. There's so much parenting advice out there. It can be hard to know what's what. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is the relationship you're forming with your baby. Biological parents aren't the only ones a baby can securely attach to. A secure attachment can be formed with a mom, a dad, an aunt, a grandparent. However your family looks, it can be possible. The infant-caregiver relationship is crucial to the development of a healthy child. If the infant has a safe, predictable, attuned relationship with at least one parent or caregiver, it will lead to the formation of neural structures in the brain that contribute to infant well-being. But a lack of consistency and responsiveness without repair is very distressing, especially for infants. So what exactly do I mean when I say secure attachment? Psychologists Bowlby and Ainsworth developed a theory that there are four attachment styles, secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. There can be different names for these. If you do your own research, you may find anxious attachment being called preoccupied or anxious ambivalent when referring to children. Avoidant is sometimes called dismissing avoidant and disorganized is sometimes called fearful avoidant. It can be very confusing, but they're talking about the same things. So to simplify, I'm going to call them by their shortest names, secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Evolutionarily, attachment serves a purpose. An infant who stays physically close to her primary caregiver is more likely to survive. Children naturally seek closeness with their attachment figures to feel safe and be soothed. As previously mentioned, if a child is brought up in an environment where the caregiver is safe, responsive, and appropriately attuned to their needs, a secure attachment is formed. Basically, the infant learns that if they need something, someone will be there for them. I can't stress enough that this doesn't mean mistakes won't be made. Mistakes are inevitable. And infants and children can still become securely attached to you even as you fumble through parenthood, making mistakes and making repairs together. Here's an example. Let's say your infant is crying and you're rocking her and she's just not letting up. She's still crying. A parent who's not in tune might just keep doing the same thing over and over, even though it's not working. But a tuned-in parent who's present will adapt to the situation and try something different to meet the baby's needs. I don't want you to think a securely attached baby never cries. That's just not true. But a present, tuned-in parent gives a child the experience of co-regulation. 
which is what makes self-soothing and self-regulating possible. So if the rocking isn't working, they'll try feeding the baby or putting her down for a nap. They shift their game plan to figure out what the baby needs in that moment. If you're still struggling to learn your baby's cues, don't worry. It takes time. Researchers estimate that parents only have to understand their baby's cues a third of the time for secure attachment to be possible. That's encouraging, right? Another important side of secure attachment is it feels safe for the baby and caregiver to have some space. You don't have to be with your infant 24-7. If someone else is home, you don't have to take your baby into the bathroom with you. You can shower guilt-free. When your infant is securely attached to you, they know you're there for them, even when you take space, even when you make mistakes. They trust that they can count on you and that you'll come back. Isn't that beautiful? Secure attachment teaches children to trust others and ask for what they need. As they grow up, they feel like it's safe to leave their home base and explore the world. And this is all due to the relationship they have with the parent or caregiver. Through that relationship, a securely attached child feels seen, valued, supported, and loved. However, when a child's needs aren't met and they're not attuned to consistently, they struggle to develop that secure attachment. So an insecure attachment style is born. There are three insecure attachment styles, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Anxious attachment is formed when the parent or caregiver is intrusive or chronically inconsistent or misattuned. Sometimes they're responsive to the infant's needs and are able to be warm, supportive, and present, but sometimes they aren't. You can imagine how terrifying it is for an infant to not have their needs met, right? They're so tiny and helpless. They literally depend on you to survive. So it's extremely distressing when they need someone and no one responds or the response is inconsistent. The infant's nervous system actually gets dysregulated and they experience a lot of anxiety because they don't have that co-regulation experience with the caregiver. They don't trust that the caregiver will be there for them if they need something. Inconsistency from the caregiver makes them confused. They don't know what to expect. Will someone be there when they cry and need soothing? Will they be fed when they're hungry? Will they be changed when they've soiled their diaper and are uncomfortable? When a child becomes anxiously attached, they desire closeness, but they also have a fear of abandonment, which can cause issues later in life in their adult relationships. I thought I would take a moment to say that when talking about attachment, it's important to hold space to be compassionate for both the experience of the infant, but also the experience of the caregiver. I believe that in general, people do the best they can with the skills they have available to them. So if you're worried about how you're meeting your child's needs, have compassion for yourself. All you can do is the best you can. Avoidant attachment happens when a parent is emotionally distant. The parent or caregiver isn't able to emotionally engage with the child, maybe because that wasn't modeled by their parents or because they have an intense work schedule that leaves them feeling depleted. Whatever the reason, when a parent is dismissive, the child's needs are often minimized or shamed. So when a baby is crying or seeking connection, especially when they're distressed, the parent rejects that bit for closeness. The parent might be irritable or rigid, so the infant learns not to seek comfort from others. Over time, a person with avoidant attachment learns to be overly self-reliant and becomes uncomfortable with closeness. They've learned that it's not safe to depend on others because they'll get rejected. So they learn to depend on themselves. 
Obviously, infants can't really depend on themselves. So these behaviors are learned over time as a child is repeatedly rejected when they make bids for connection. Disorganized attachment is the last attachment style, and it's formed when the child depends on someone who also scares them. It's often found when parents physically, emotionally, or sexually abuse their children. The caregiver is unpredictable and frightening, so the child becomes afraid of being close to others. It can also be caused by really chaotic dynamics at home. It's confusing for the child because sometimes the caregiver is available and warm, and sometimes they're abusive. Or there's so much turbulence and chaos at home that the child becomes frightened. Intergenerational trauma can contribute to disorganized attachment. A lot of the unresolved trauma that parents go through can get passed down to their kids. Psychologist Mary Ainsworth developed a study called The Strange Situation to observe and draw conclusions about mother-child attachment. In the study, a child and his mother were put alone in a room together. The child was given the freedom to explore the room and play with the toys in it. After a while, a stranger enters the room and engages the mother, then turns their attention to the child. While the stranger is engaging the child, the mother slips out of the room. Children interacted with the room, the stranger, and their mother in different ways, depending on their attachment style. Securely attached children explored the room when their mother was present. They may have become distressed when mom left the room and explored a little less when she was absent, but upon her return, they were happy to see her. If they cried, they were soothed by mom and then resumed exploration once they received sufficient comfort. The mom is seen as a secure base from which to explore the world and then return to safely. Avoidant children, on the other hand, didn't explore much with mom in the room, didn't show much emotion when she left, and either avoided mom or seemed indifferent to her when she returned. They didn't prefer mom's presence over that of a stranger. Anxiously attached children didn't explore much either, but showed great distress when mom left and were wary around the stranger. When mom returned, the anxious child wanted to reconnect with mom, but also displayed anger at her for leaving and therefore rejected mom's attempts to reconnect. Children with disorganized attachment displayed confusion and anxiety at mom's return. They engaged in behaviors like freezing, wandering, or contradictory interactions with the caregiver. The strange situation can teach us so much about attachment. But please remember to be kind to yourself as you're learning about and navigating attachment theory. So much of the way we parent comes from our own families of origin. And sometimes that means not engaging in behaviors or parenting strategies our own parents used with us. Just know that as a parent or caregiver, you can't be there for your child 100% of the time. That's truly impossible. You may work or have family obligations, or you may be trying to raise multiple children like I am. If I had to guess, I'd say you probably have a lot on your plate already. So just remember, try to tune in to your child's needs and respond to their cues correctly at least a third of the time. That will help you form a secure attachment. And with secure attachment, you become the safe haven, cheering them on to explore the big wide world, letting them know it's safe to do so. After going over the four attachment styles, you're probably wondering, how can I form a secure attachment with my baby? For starters, pay attention to and learn their cues. We've talked about this a lot already, but think of yourself as a sensory sleuth trying to figure out what your baby is communicating with their facial expressions, with their movements, coos, or cries. 
Understand when your baby needs to be held versus played with. Learn what kind of touch comforts them and what environment they enjoy. Do they like peace and quiet or soft music? Do they want to be rocked or is motion not comforting? Have patience with yourself because learning these cues will take time. And remember, even if you get a cue wrong on the first guess, if you make an attempt to repair the disconnect and figure out what your baby needs, you can still be on track to building a secure attachment. Mirroring, playing with, and laughing with your baby also helps form secure attachment. Mirroring is a term in psychology that means reflecting effect, behavior, or body language. So when you smile at your baby and she smiles back at you, you're engaging in mirroring. And mirroring is so important for children because it gives them the experience of being seen and it makes them feel validated. So even though your infant won't remember playing peekaboo with you or how you giggled back at her so she would giggle back, she will remember how you made her feel. Mothers who are securely attached mirror their infant twice as often as mothers who aren't. Mirroring is part of creating a mutual relationship with your child. Don't let the relationship be dominated by what you need. Put what the baby needs first. Remember when I talked about intrusive behavior from the caregiver? If you're initiating play with your infant when all she really wants and needs is to take a nap, that's intrusive. You're making it about your needs, not hers. And she probably won't be much fun if she's exhausted anyway. Don't be smothering. Go along with it when your baby initiates interactions or play. Creating a mutual relationship becomes more possible as you learn cues, get in tune, and that all comes with practice and time and the monitoring of your own needs. That's why taking care of yourself is also so important when you have an infant. You may be reflecting on how you were parented as a child and whether or not you want to parent your child the same way. Do your own internal homework and ask yourself questions like, what messages were sent to me as a child? How are those messages shaping my parenting? Do I want to send those same messages to my children? Or do I want to say something different? The more space you have to be present with your own experience, the more you'll be able to be present with your child. And learning about your own family of origin and attachment style can be useful when trying to figure out how to parent your child. My last piece of advice for creating a secure attachment is to respond to your baby's distress as consistently as you can. Babies whose needs are met consistently are more likely to develop higher self-confidence and better self-image later in life. They learn they are respected, worthy, and lovable, which impacts their relationships and the way they navigate the world as they grow. Research shows that children who form a secure attachment early in life score higher in agreeableness and conscientiousness and lower in neuroticism. The reverse is also true. Children with insecure attachments early in life score higher in neuroticism and lower in agreeableness and conscientiousness. If you've been with us for a while, you know that the last portion of the podcast is where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that we'll help you get some clarity on how to help your child. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. This is Alicia calling in from Washington, D.C. Um, I'm new to attachment theory and just started learning about the four different styles. Um, I'm pregnant and 
wondering, wondering if I need to breastfeed in order for my baby to securely attach to me. Um, my own mother had some issues breastfeeding me when I was an infant, so I, I have a lot of anxiety about whether or not I'll be able to produce milk and get my baby to latch. Can she still have secure attachment to me, even if I decide to bottle feed her? Hi, Alicia. Thanks for calling in with your question. Navigating all the ins and outs of motherhood can be overwhelming. Learning a little more about the connection between attachment and feeding might help you feel more at ease. How you choose to feed your baby should first and foremost be driven by your and your baby's health. There are so many different ways that feeding can look. Breastfeeding, formula feeding, exclusively pumping, or some unique combination of these three options. So long as your baby is getting nutrition and growing properly, there is no wrong option there. Secure attachment is not based purely on feeding style. A secure attachment is most readily formed when the parent responds to the baby's needs in whatever fashion will remedy that need. So if a baby is hungry and their parent responds with food, whether from breast or bottle, their attachment is building. Your baby's secure attachment to you will build in the same way as you change their soiled diaper and make them dry and comfortable. It will grow as you sing them songs and soothe them. It will continue to flourish as you play with them and fill their need for socialization. Your baby's attachment to you will become more secure with every warm interaction you have with them throughout the first days, weeks, and months of their life. As you navigate how you'd like to feed your baby, there are a few things to keep in mind. It is so important to consider your own mental and physical health. Some women struggle to breastfeed because of the time and energy commitment that it takes. If your baby exclusively breastfeeds, you will never be able to be apart from your baby for more than a few hours. Many women love this closeness with their babies, but for others, it weighs upon their mental health. Other women love breastfeeding, but struggle with regularly getting clogged ducts or having low milk supply. Especially in those early weeks, some women struggle with the lack of sleep from night feedings that their partner can't help with. As you can see, there are a number of reasons why breastfeeding may not work out as well as a mother anticipates. Of course, there are many support options. Mothers can work with a lactation consultant to help solve latch, low, and production issues. Women can talk to their doctor or mental health professional to address anxiety and stress issues around breastfeeding. Certain supplements and breastfeeding tips can help with clogged ducts. Pumping or formula supplementation can be used to combat low supply issues or sleep issues as your partner can help with night feeds. It can be easy to feel a lot of pressure to be a certain way and do certain things in motherhood. However, what is most important is that you and your baby are healthy and that you foster a high quality relationship with your baby. There are so many options available and you can pick and choose to find what works best for you. You can do this. Hello, my name is Montserrat. I'm calling in from Barcelona, Spain. My partner and I went to a parenting class and one of the moms there was talking about attachment parenting. This phrase is completely new to us. We've never heard it before, but we have been reading about attachment theory and are wondering if they are the same thing. Uh, should we just follow the guidelines in attachment parenting to build a secure attachment? I'm also starting to get nervous because I'm scheduled for a C-section, but will that inhibit the baby's ability to attach to me? 
Montserrat, thanks for calling in. A secure attachment is essential to a baby's development, so it's wonderful that you're thinking about how you're going to form that with your baby. It's important to understand that attachment parenting and attachment styles are two entirely different concepts in psychology. Attachment parenting is a recently popularized parenting style that focuses very heavily on physical closeness and emotional responsiveness to your baby. Unlike attachment theory, attachment parenting is so new and is not well-backed by research. In fact, many well-respected psychologists disagree with the main ideas of attachment parenting. Namely, they disagree with the central idea that if parents don't have a natural birth, exclusively breastfeed, co-sleep, and constantly baby wear, that their baby won't form a secure attachment. While all those practices can be good practices, no research has shown that they are essential pieces for building a secure attachment. Secure attachment is grown best when parents consistently and lovingly meet their baby's needs in the way the baby finds most comforting. As we look at the practicality of the ideals of attachment parenting, we can see that it simply can't work for everyone. Some pregnancies cannot safely end with a natural delivery. Some mother-baby diets are not able or do not want to breastfeed. Many parents feel uncomfortable with co-sleeping. Not all babies will find being born in a carrier soothing or their parents may be physically unable to wear them. This does not mean that those babies are not going to form secure attachments. Their parents still love them and will be attentive to their needs. The attention and care that their parents pay to their baby is what will build attachment. Having a C-section certainly does not doom your baby to being unable to form a secure attachment. Delivery is only one singular moment. Secure attachment continues to be established in every moment afterward. Know that you hold the power to foster a secure attachment with your baby, regardless of the type of birth you have. Hi there. Uh, This is Murray from Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, My wife and I hired a caretaker for our nine-month-old so we could go back to working full-time. She's she's great with him, and, and we really like her, but we're concerned that we're gone too often, and our baby will attach to our caretaker instead of us. Is that going to happen? Or, or is it possible for babies to form secure attachments to multiple people? Hi, Murray. This is a great question. Thanks for sharing. Both parents heading back to work after maternity and paternity leave is the reality for most families today. Finding someone that you trust to take care of your child can be a really difficult task. How great that you already have found someone wonderful to take care of him. I know that juggling a work and home life is not easy. Parents often feel pulled in many directions and like neither area gets quite enough of their attention. It's a difficult balance, but it is possible to find. Your baby forming an attachment to the nanny is not a cause for concern. It is actually a great thing. Babies are completely capable and also very likely to form secure attachments to multiple caregivers. In some situations, this could be both parents, a grandparent, a close friend, or a nanny. You should encourage a secure attachment between your baby and his nanny so that he feels safe and secure while you are not with him. The hours that he spends with her should be ones filled with learning and exploration, which he will only feel comfortable enough to do if he feels a secure attachment with her. When you are spending time with your son, be sure to be intentional with your time. Sing with him, go for walks, or work on gross motor skills. A secure attachment will happen through warm interactions and your baby's needs being met. 
if possible, wait to do chores until he's asleep or with those tasks that must be done, like making dinner, have him in a safe space near you. You can narrate to him the things you are doing and comment on what he's playing with. With other tasks, like perhaps grocery shopping, you may be able to bring him along in a carrier and let him see and hear all the busyness of the store. Secure attachment doesn't require elaborate activities or special parenting skills. It will happen naturally as you interact and spend time with your baby. Don't feel guilty about going back to work. Just make every minute you have with him count. Thinking about infant mental health may feel like a strange or new idea, but I hope this episode has inspired you to learn more about attachment theory and how to connect with your infant so your relationship thrives. Here are three key points to remember about attachment theory. One, when an infant is securely attached, they feel safe and loved. They know their needs will be met and they feel like the world is a safe place to explore. Secure attachment is achieved through consistent, attuned parenting. Two, you only have to understand your baby's cues a third of the time for secure attachment to be possible. No one is able to be fully present and attuned 24 hours a day. Secure attachment can still be on track if you notice when you miss or misunderstand a cue and try again to get it right. Three, doing your own internal homework can be helpful when trying to understand attachment theory. Learning about your family of origin and your own attachment style may help bring awareness to the ways in which you interact with and parent your infant. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found it useful. Stay tuned because next time we'll cover infant brain development from the womb to one year and go over the impacts of maternal stress on the fetus, toxic stress in early childhood, and how to interact with your baby when they're in the sensory motor stage of Piaget's theory of cognitive development. See you next time and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.